You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, the Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Gators Breakdown, episode 135, is ready to go. Right after it, the Florida Gators have hit the field for spring practice. Thomas Goldcamp is uh, joining us here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Uh, find him at Gatorbait.net, 24-7 sports site for the Gators there. Thomas, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing tonight? Pretty good. Uh, ready to talk some Gator football, but uh, I got first got to ask you, how's that uh, March Madness bracket going? <laughs> uh, you know what? I actually did not fill out a bracket because, uh, you know, we, we've been so busy with the football stuff that I have not been able to devote the uh, kind of time necessary to really figure <laughs> out what's going on. So my bracket's perfect right now. Oh, there we go. There we go. I didn't fill mine out till like Wednesday morning, the day before. I'm usually on top of it, but like you said, uh, kind of busy. So it's kind of kind of slipped through the cracks there for a little while. And uh, I remember one of the last conversations I had with you on the uh, message board on 24-7 Sports was you were looking for a new TV show to watch. And I, I suggested The Wire, but I don't know what you ended up going with. But uh, what, what's what's been keeping your uh, – What's been keeping your time besides uh, football if you're if you're watching those TV shows? Yeah, you know, I haven't gotten into The Wire yet. Uh, I'm not quite ready to make that commitment, man. It's a long <laughs> show. Uh, that could be a real time suck. So they'll, they'll have to wait till after uh, spring football. Uh, Sneaky Pete season two, man. That's where it's at. Oh, man, I've heard, of, I heard the same thing about that show. So I'd have, have to be one of my next ones there. All right. So remember, you can find all your Gators Breakdown episodes on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown uh, Gators Breakdown episodes there, all along with the links to iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, whichever way you want to consume Gators Breakdown, you can find it there. Uh, find us on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So, uh, we, Thomas, of course, we should probably preface this talking about uh, spring practice. Uh, we've only seen two practices so far. Team isn't, team isn't even in pads yet. So the coaches are still finding out what the players can do. And, of course, the players are kind of learning on the fly Things are just going to take some time as this new staff finally gets these players on the field. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> we write so much about these practices, and obviously it's nice that we've been able to see the full practices of the first two that they've done. Uh, but like you said, it is it is the first two days in shorts. They're not in pads yet, so you don't have a whole lot of action in the trenches. Uh, but I think we've been able to see some good things, and uh, I know it's it's been very exciting for the fans that have been out there. You can definitely kind of sense the buzz around the program now. And I really think that's something that's been missing that, that Dan Mullen has done a really good job early on of cultivating. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of, uh, you know, 
build forward into the rest of spring ball and, and kind of attack that. Uh, I know he threw open another practice this weekend today. Uh, so, so obviously he felt like it went well with the fans there. Uh, so now we'll see how the players kind of get used to the system and kind of pick things up as we go. And you mentioned Thomas, how it is a little different uh, from what we've seen in the past. So what's some of the biggest differences you can tell in general from the first couple of practices under Dan Mullen compared to those of Jim McElwain? Well, one thing I think, um, you know, not just related to practice necessarily, but Dan Mullen has really done a good job of kind of involving the fan base um, and, and really making it to where it feels like the fans are part of Florida football again. Um, and, and really dating back to when Urban Meyer left Florida, I think there's been kind of a growing disconnect between Florida football and Florida Florida fans. And the reason for that is, you know, obviously the modern day and age in college football, things have been kind of shut down and everybody's kind of followed the Nick Saban model of we want as few distractions as possible. You know, let's push the media out. Let's answer as few questions as we can. And, and really it's, you know, I get it. It works for Nick Saban, but there's a lot of coaches that aren't Nick Saban. And when you're winning, you know, nobody cares about that. They just want to see the wins on Saturday. But when you're not, it's really good to have the fans on your side. And I think Dan Mullen, before he's ever coached a game, has not only embraced the expectations, but he's really said, hey, we're not going to be able to do this if you guys aren't there. And I think not only has that spread to the fan base, but I think the players have kind of picked up on that. And, and really, for me, I think the players are starting to understand that there's a sense of responsibility to the fans, that they owe it to the fans to come out and show up, that their scholarships are paid for so that they can go out and put a good product on the field. And I think that that has led to just a, just a better atmosphere around the program in general. I think that players are excited to go out there and play for, you know, in spring practice. And you'd expect that with a new coach, but I think that Dan mm -hmm. Mullen's ties to Florida um, have really made him seem like a part of the Gator Nation. And I think players have sensed that. And I think that they really have bought in for that reason. Yeah, Thomas, that was the thing I, I took away the most when Mullen made that tour. And, of course, his first stop was here in Jacksonville. Uh, and he made that tour stop. And, and, you know, he called out fans, but he called out fans in a good way. Most of like you said, it was, hey, we need to, we need to swamp field. We need to, your support behind us. And I think, you know, seeing the fans as support and not, you know, I won't necessarily say the enemy. You know, I don't think McElwain uh, – Yes, he called out fans a little bit, but I don't necessarily think he saw the fans as the enemy. But uh, you know, of course, the, the vocal fans he probably did. But uh, you know, he 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 also you know called out fans when when things were going good as well. But I think you know Mullen sees it more of as a, as a support than what McElwain did. No doubt, and I don't you know like you said, I don't think it was ever a sense of uh, you know direct conflict with the fans. I mean, obviously, Will Muschamp had the uh, you know the one incident <laughs> at the Georgia game where he said you know come down here you know whatever. Um, but, but, you know, Jim McElwain, I think it just, there was just the sense that, um, no matter what they did, it was never good enough. And I think that in a lot of ways, McElwain kind of espousing that, um, that general vibe fed to his team to where they're mm -hmm. like, okay, we got to Atlanta two years in a row. Like what's, what's good enough for you guys. Whereas Mullen has made it very clear from day one. The goal is to win national championships. That's what Florida's done in the past. He's done it here in the past. So that's the ultimate goal. And there's there's no excuse. If, if you're not getting that done, then rather than, you know, saying, oh, okay, well, we did this and this, that should be enough. I think Mullen has put it in into such a form that players understand, hey, if we're not at that level, there's a reason. Here's what we need to do to fix it. And I think he's had a very focused message to that end to get players to realize that's the ultimate goal. And if we're not there yet, 
there's more we can do till we get there. And talking about change, Thomas, we've seen a, a lot the last couple of days and the players are tweeting out on social media and all, all their kind of transformation photos from uh, the beginning of strength and conditioning. What players in position groups maybe look at like, like they have seen the biggest strides in that area? You know, I don't know if there's necessarily a position group that stands out. There's definitely some individuals. Um, if you were looking across the board at any one spot, I would say um, CC Jefferson and Ja'Kai Polite are two that have definitely slimmed down from kind of the, the, the defensive end kind of phys- physicality. Um, and, and I say that they haven't actually lost weight, but they've definitely leaned up uh, so that I think that they're going to be a little bit more mobile, a little bit able to play that rush end type of role better where they can stand up or they can put their hand down in the dirt. Those are the two that I think have made kind of the biggest body adjustments. And then there's guys that have just gotten bigger physically, Chauncey Gardner, Marco Wilson, uh, Jordan Scarlett. All three of those guys are guys that, you know, were pretty big before, but really now are looking really refined and, and really starting to pack on some muscle. So, of course, only two practices in, but Thomas, what looked like the uh, did the offense and uh, particularly the quarterbacks in general, but did the the, you know, the starting 11, the backup 11, did they have a good grasp of the offense so far? Was it pretty fluid and for what we could expect from a, a brand new installation of a brand new offense? Yeah, it's hard to say. I think we'll have a better idea after we see Saturday's open practice where they're in pads and, you know, they've had, I think it'll be their fifth practice. So they've really kind of gotten into some install. Uh, things are very basic right now. And I think that's a good thing for Florida. You know, what Dan Mullen wants to do is try to build kind of the foundation of the offense, basically put in his five or six staple plays. And then after that, you can start to build the wrinkles in off of them, you know, where you're, you're adding, you know, this motion to this formation or this or that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been pretty smooth that the players look like they've, they've studied it pretty well. And it looks like the coaches have communicated it well, you know, we'll see more as they go, but for the most part, other than some cadence issues in the second practice with the offensive line, things have looked pretty smooth from an operational standpoint. And Thomas, of course, when we go to quarterback fans are a little hesitant to get behind Felipe Franks and the good words that are coming out about his first couple practices uh, and the word that he's looked pretty good so far. Is there a reason for optimism based on only two practices? And does it look like, you know, that, you know, he uh, can really insert himself and be a a player that the other players can rely on and the coaches can rely on leading this offense? Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky question. I think, you know, first off, two practices in, not in pads. Um, You're not really getting a sense for how things are when the live bullets are flying, so to speak. Um, so you should look good in this type of scenario. And I think most of the observations so far have really been based more on accuracy and, uh, you know, ability to kind of throw the football than anything else, because that's really all you're seeing. Um, you're not seeing him having to deal with a, much of a live pass rush right now. You know, having to see him manage situations necessarily, but he's definitely been the best quarterback so far. He looks really comfortable throwing the football. He's been very accurate for him, which, uh, you know, really was an area he kind of struggled as a freshman and a redshirt freshman in the, you know, the fall practices that we saw in spring practices. Um, I would say that um, more than anything, I think that fans that are writing off Franks would be wrong because if you look at Florida's offense, there, there hasn't been a quarterback that was successful for any sustain, extended duration under Jim McElwain. I mean, Will Greer was good, but he really, if you look at it, um, he showed flashes. He was never super consistent. Mm-hmm. And the fact that for me, the offense never changed from Treon Harris to Felipe Franks, who are two entirely different styles of quarterback. So I think you look at that and you say, okay, well, obviously that last staff didn't put him in a place to succeed. 
Uh, they, they clearly were not good at adapting to their quarterbacks. They had their system and they stuck to it. So I think in a system like Dan Mullins, where things are going to be one naturally easier on the quarterbacks because of the type of reads that they're making and the way the offense functions, couple that with Dan Mullins ability to work around different skill sets that he's shown throughout his career, working with all the different types of quarterbacks that he has. I think it's way too early to write off Felipe Franks. I mean, he's clearly got an arm, you know, he's got the ability to run. He may not be the guy that you want to, you know, run 20 times a game, but he can run the ball. Um, so I think more than anything, the questions for me about Franks are more, you know, can he adapt to the mental aspect of the game? Can he do all these things as Dan Mullen keeps adding wrinkles into the offense and still manage things to the point where he doesn't feel overwhelmed to where he doesn't feel like he's, you know, he starts locking into that first receiver to where he can really have a comfortable control of the offense to where guys believe in him. That's something we're not going to find out. I don't think until we get into the fall next, you know, and we're seeing Saturdays in the fall. I don't think spring practice, even the spring game, will necessarily be indicative of kind of what we're going to get out of him. Agree there. And I, I do think the running game from him uh, and also the running game from those big stable of running backs that Florida has will help Felipe Franks. And that, that group's led by Jordan Scarlett. Uh, it looks to be. Uh, of course, it, it, that's, he's the name there. Uh, and how he fits back into the team and on the field after not playing last season I know it's hard to tell, of course, until pads are put on and offensive linemen and defensive linemen can hit and open some holes. But does it look like Scarlett can pick up where he left off in 2016 just from the, the basics it takes to be a running back? Yeah, no doubt to me. I mean, he looks better physically than I've ever seen him. There was no hesitation whatsoever. Practice one, it was very clear he was the first guy in there getting reps. Um, you know, one of the reporters actually asked uh, Dan Mullen after Friday's practice, you know, if he was worried about uh, the fact that, you know, Scarlett being reintroduced to the team might you know, upset the chemistry in the running back room because he's coming in and potentially taking carries from the other guys that were there last year when he wasn't. And Mullen just basically said, look, everybody's going to earn their reps. And, you know, he kind of intimated that, you know, Scarlett's a guy that's going to get some reps. <laughs> uh, and I think you see that based on the way the reps have been split in practice. He's a guy that can play some football. I mean, nearly a 1,000-yard rusher as a sophomore. He's had another year to really, you know, refine his body. Um, being away from the old strength staff might not be a terrible thing. Um, so I, I think he's, you know, going to be ready to roll. I mean, looking at him in the first two days of practice, he really doesn't look like he's missed a beat to me. Thomas, of course, Malik Davis is not going to be uh, in at running back. So Michael P. Ryan, Darius Lemons, the two freshmen, Clement and Pierce. Um, those are the two guys I'm, I'm really looking forward to to see how fast they can get acclimated because uh, I really think Damian Pierce is a, a special type of running back if they can. Uh, but like you said, it's – splitting the carries between all those guys. So yeah, I don't know if it'd be hard for one guy behind Scarlett to, to get enough to where they feel good uh, enough about being the second guy, you know, does it play more on tape? And of course, the Michael P Ryan has more on tape, uh, but when it gets, when fall comes rolling around, I think it's going to be kind of tricky of how they split up uh, these running back carries and maybe make guys make plays on special teams or uh, Clement can make more of a presence known uh, outside and maybe he moves you know, in motion uh, from receiver to, to run about to get back in the backfield, and maybe they can use him in a myriad of ways. Uh, but I, I do think it gets tricky once spring is over with, and we talk about these numbers of running backs, so, you know, behind Scarlett, I think it gets kind of dicey for who can who can be that second guy. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Florida's loaded at running back. That's no secret. I think you look at those guys, you know, obviously Scarlett and Pirine are two uh, pretty quality SEC backs. Uh, but, you know, Dan Mullen's a guy that's played a lot of running backs. I mean, if he has guys that are productive, he's going to play them. 
Uh, I think Scarlett will clearly be the number one, but I think P. Ryan is a pretty clear number two at this point. And from there, I think you look at who can who can kind of earn reps as as a third guy. You know, if something should happen to those guys, or one of those guys turns an ankle in a game, and uh, you know, right now it's it's very early, no pads yet. But uh, I'm really impressed by what we've seen from Pierce. He's got a very uh, aggressive style of running. He tends to get the ball, and he's going downhill quickly. It's funny, actually. You know, running backs coach Greg Knox. One of the things he's really been harping on Pierce the first couple of days is is kind of being a little more patient. Um, because he's one of those guys that, man, I'm telling you, he gets the ball and he is downfield in a hurry. And a lot of the drills they're doing, they kind of want the running backs to have a little bit of vision. You know, they, they run one drill where they're running under gates and they have to read and react based on where the, uh, you know, the assistant moving as a linebacker would is. And, uh, you know, Pierce has been so quick that sometimes he's missed that. And so they want him to be a little bit more patient, kind of feel his holes a little bit. But he's a guy that I think can be very productive. Clement to me is is a little bit more of a long strider type. I don't know that he has the feet in the phone booth kind of uh, ability that some of those other guys has. P Ryan especially is really good at that. Can really wiggle in in between the tackles. Mm. Uh, Clement I think is a guy that you're going to see more probably used on the outside. Uh, you know maybe motioning out of the backfield as a receiver. Mm. Um, but yeah, Florida's loaded at running back. I, I really don't see any issue in terms of Florida getting production from that position. Like you said, it may be a little bit of, uh, you know, an exercise managing carries. I mean, we didn't even talk about Darius Lemons, and, and then you'll have Malik Davis coming back. Uh, so, yeah, those guys are going to have to contribute on special teams. The good news is Stan Mullen loves special teams. So, the, you know, if, uh, <laughs> if they can be productive there, then I think you get a chance to earn even more carries in the backfield. Good point there. Good point. Uh, a group that has to live up to expectations, finally, Thomas, is this wide receiver group. And we've heard for uh, a couple seasons now the, the talent they've had there, but – you know, uh, some a couple reasons why you know they just ha- purely just haven't lived up to expectations, and you know quarterback problems uh, play into that as well. But Van Jefferson has come in, seems to have inserted himself as Felipe Frank's favorite target. You know, Brandon Powell is now gone. Looks like Van Jefferson can step in uh, to that role of being Frank's favorite target, uh, as well as Kendarius Tony looks to continue his playmaker role there. Uh, is it those two guys separating themselves from the others right now? Yeah, I mean, part of that is uh, Tyree Cleveland has been limited the first two days. It looked like he maybe pulled up, uh, maybe hamstring or something like that early on. And so he hasn't really been involved in in the team Pascal nor the uh, 11 on 11 work. Uh, he's obviously a guy that, you know, will be one of your top two, three receivers, depending on how you figure in the slot. Um, but I think Van Jefferson from the what we've seen in the first two days has been very impressive. I don't know that I've seen a guy make an impression like that in the first two days since Antonio Callaway came in. And when Callaway came in, it was pretty evident this guy can catch, he can run, he runs very good routes, has great hands, and can block. And I think we've seen all of that from Van Jefferson early on. And obviously, he's got the SEC production to back it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's you know easily one of your top two receivers, probably your number one. Cleveland is a guy that can do a lot of different things, kind of stretch the field. And I've been pretty impressed with Kadarius Tony through two days. Now, obviously, the big thing with him, can he stay healthy? <laughs> that was an issue last year. Uh, the good news is it does look like he's bulked up a good bit, and uh, he he's actually made a couple catches in traffic over the middle that I'm not sure we saw him make last year, even in practice. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think between those three guys, you've got a very solid core, and if if you can get a little bit more out of guys like Josh Hammond and Freddie Swain with better coaching out of that position, which I think Florida has now, uh, I think it'll be a pretty pretty reliable unit there. Yeah, Swain and Hammond have been pretty good blockers outside as well uh, in their first couple of years there, especially last year. Uh, I remember those guys making some pretty good blocks. And we all remember when Dan Mullen was here back at under 
the offensive coordinator under Urban Meyer of how important and how big of blocks those wide receivers made. So I think those guys can get on the field a little bit more because of that purpose uh, uh, alone. Yeah, no doubt. Actually, we were talking to Nick Savage, the uh, new director of strength and conditioning, and uh, somebody asked him, you know, kind of who the genetic freaks were on the team. And and Freddie Swain was one of the guys he mentioned at receiver. Uh, so, uh, you know, those guys have a lot of potential. I think we've all seen it. I, I just think that, uh, you know, the overall system on offense didn't work. So it's really hard to know, you know, you know, were these guys capable of more? Was it poor coaching for the receivers? Was it just the quarterbacks couldn't get it to them? Um, I, you know, I, I, I really expect to see a very different uh, offense in general. And I think anytime you have a coaching change, particularly when you go to a guy that's got a proven system and has proven he can make it work in this league, you have the chance to see a lot of guys maybe surprised that you didn't expect. Right. And before we move on from receiver, Thomas, any update on the eligibility of Jefferson and Grimes? Uh, I know Shay Patterson's lawyer came out recently and told CBS Sports that his request to the NCAA is at a standstill when he was the quarterback at Ole Miss. Uh, who's now trying to you know get his eligibility at Michigan? Uh, does it seem to be there? There's much word out there on those two guys right now. No, I would say that um, you know I think uh, Van Jefferson's case will be tied very closely to Patterson. So any developments you see on Patterson probably equally apply to Van Jefferson. Um, as far as Trayvon Grimes, the NCAA actually changed the rule in terms of moving closer to home to help with family hardships a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Personally, I find it hard to believe that he would be able to get a waiver. Uh, maybe he can, but um, we haven't heard anything concrete on either of those, so I don't want to, you know, step too far out all in there. Um, but but at this time, you know, Florida's kind of just in wait and see mode on both of those guys. Got you there. Uh, now the group that absolutely has to improve uh, and show a different mindset, especially this brings the offensive line. Thomas, how are those guys lining up right now? And uh, this group will be behind in learning the new offense and translating that into on-field production right now as, as the spring goes on. They'll get better as the spring goes on, you would imagine. I think this is the group that will probably take the the most time in, in coming around and, and learning the new offense. Uh, so how are they lining up right now, and have they showed anything in the first couple of practice that shows some promise? Um, well, they're lining up the same way that they have been. Uh, okay. Martez Ivy at left tackle. Um, Tyler Jordan at left guard, uh, TJ McCoy at center, Fred Johnson at right guard, and Juwan Taylor at right tackle. Uh, so the line's pretty much the same. Obviously, Brett Heggie's missing the spring because right. of uh, you know his knee injury, and you would expect that at some point he would push back into the starting lineup. Uh, but for now, those are the five. It's been pretty consistent through the first two practices. No, nobody's shifted into that first team unit yet. Um, I, I would say, you know, it's like I said, it's hard. It's hard not having seen them in pads yet. Right, I, don't, I don't notice any major changes, to be honest with you, in terms of how they're handling the defensive line. I think the defensive line has had a clear upper hand through the first two days. I still think the guard positions are a problem. I think if Florida goes into the fall, you know, with Johnson and uh, and Jordan playing starting roles, I think Florida's in trouble a little bit. And I say that because I think that their ceilings are limited. Um, obviously, you know, the strength and conditioning program over the summer should help. That should definitely help them. But to me, they just don't necessarily have the kind of upside that you need to be an all SEC road grader type. Now, the good news is I think Hagee can be one of those guys. And when he gets back into the mix, that should help. Um, I've been pretty impressed with uh, Chris Blake, the freshman uh, that has come in. He's been on a third unit so far, but he's had a couple plays, even without pads, that have kind of made you, you know, take notice. Uh, the bottom line, I think, is Florida – However they do it, they have to find a way to get those guys to be more aggressive and play more physically. Um, and so John Hevesy is definitely going to have his work cut out for him because right now I think that's still probably one of the weakest spots on the team. 
Uh, hopefully, yeah. I, I think that, that that's the group that has to come around. Uh, I think if this offense wants to really take off, uh, I think, as you said, I think the offensive scheme just in general will, will show some improvement uh, on that side of the ball. But uh, if this group really wants to take off, uh, I really think it hangs uh, on those five starting offensive linemen and, and getting a few quality backups. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, Dan Mullen's system at the end of the day is based on the power run. Yeah. Uh, whether you have a Tim Tebow that's able to help with that as a you know an extra option as a power runner you know, from the quarterback spot. But yeah, I mean, at some point this line's got to be able to open up holes, especially given the fact that you're probably going to be looking at starting Felipe Franks, who's going to be in his second year and maybe doesn't have a ton of confidence after last year or a true freshman. So no doubt this line has to get better. Uh, You know, it may not happen overnight, but they really need to make strides in the strength and conditioning program and take a big step forward next year. Thomas Goldkamp of 247sportsgatorbait.net joining me here on Gators Breakdown as we now shift to the other side of the ball, focus on the defense. And, Thomas, we've heard so much talk about the 3-4 defensive alignment under Todd Grantham, but that wasn't all we necessarily saw these at these first couple of practices and how the defense lined up. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, it's a 3-4 system, but a lot of times, you know, people talk about 3-4. What they're really talking about is a two-gap scheme where basically all three linemen up front are responsible for being able to decide – on either gap and read and react on the fly. Uh, Florida's 3-4 system is not going to be that. You know, the only guy that's going to be responsible for two gaps routinely is going to be the nose tackle. Uh, And even at times, Florida will play defensive alignments to where he's not necessarily responsible for two. So what that does is it really lessens the burden on, you know, those defensive tackle slash defensive end types that are on the outside of the nose. Um, And those guys are able to kind of lock in a little bit more and have more clearly defined assignments. So it's a little bit easier to pick up. Um, I think what you'll see, or at least what we've seen from the first two days of Florida, they're going to be a little bit more in nickel or three, three, five type looks probably than a base three, four or base four, three. I think that Florida's personnel right now really lends to that. Mm -hmm. They they feel pretty good about the defensive backs they have. They even have a couple linebackers slash safety types, um, you know, that are in the smaller mold. That's kind of what Randy Shannon recruited. They're smaller, faster. Uh, whereas, a, you know, a prototypical two-gap, three-four, you're looking at big linebackers, really big defensive linemen. Uh, I just don't think Florida has the personnel to run that as a routine system. So you're going to see C.C. Jefferson and Ja'Kai Polite with their hand in the dirt at times. Um, you know, even when they're not and they're working as stand-up linebackers, they're playing pretty close to the line, uh, kind of hanging as an over on that strong side. So, I, you know, it'll probably not look quite as drastic of a change as people think. Um, I think the biggest thing you'll see that's different is Florida's going to go after the quarterback a whole lot under Todd Grantham. Yeah, that's what I'm waiting to see is just the overall aggressive, not necessarily, you know, three, four, four, three, whatever it is, three, three, five, like you said. I think at points, Todd Grantham's just going to be bringing numbers and getting to that quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and we've seen that. Look, they're not even in pads. We've seen, you know, Marco Wilson come off the edge. We've seen Christopher Henderson come off the edge, Chauncey Gardner. I mean, they're they're sending different guys all the time. Antonio's Clayton had a pass breakup the other day, dropping into zone coverage. So you're going to see. I mean, Florida's going to get creative defensively, and I think it's going to give some offensive issues. I mean, the Gators know from playing against Georgia those couple of years that Grantham was there that uh, you know he he has a way of developing those Jarvis Jones types mm-hmm. where he finds one guy that can do it, and all of a sudden you build in wrinkles off of that where he drops back and you got a corner coming. And your protection isn't set that way. And uh, that can really create some issues for defense or for opposing offenses. 
Thomas, after the second practice, it looked like the defensive line could boast they have some options. Uh, are there what What are the young guys, especially the two guys I want to single out here, uh, Slayton and Conliffe, uh, are looking like they can take a step forward? Uh, and is there any more clarity on how some of those guys are lining up at the defensive end and outside linebacker? You kind of mentioned uh, how CC, even though if he's standing, he might still be closer to the line. Uh, what are, are, are the, some of the other defensive ends that we think of that were behind CC Jefferson? Are, are they also getting shots at outside linebacker as well? No, the only two we've really seen get shot at that rush end role that CC and Plyde are playing, um, other than those two, would be Nick Smith, uh, which I actually found kind of interesting because I thought he was on the smaller side for a linebacker. Mm-hmm. But maybe they envision him kind of growing into that role in the future. I think between CC and Ja'Kai, um, you know, you, you've got two very capable players there. I can't really see Florida playing a third much in the fall you know, unless there's an injury or something. Yeah. Uh, so I think they're grooming Nick Smith maybe for the future there, kind of envisioning him growing in the strength and conditioning program and then eventually replacing probably CC after next year. Um, in terms of the other guys and how they're lining up, I was actually a little surprised. I would have figured that Slayton would be in kind of at the nose tackle position mm-hmm. and, and Conliff would be more at the other defensive tackle in between the rush end and the nose. Uh, they flipped that. So Slayton's playing in between nose and, and you know, that rush end. And Conliff is playing in the middle. That could be because they like Conliff's burst, you know, as a disruptive guy. And if you've got that disruptive guy in the middle, suddenly your edge rusher, you know, coming off has a, a different angle, so to speak. Um, but that's kind of where they've lined up. You know, Zach Carter and and uh, Jabari Zaniga have been that kind of weak side defensive end right now, a little, little bit smaller, um, but kind of on the opposite side of that rush end. I think the one position that worries me the most, Thomas, is – inside uh, at linebacker. David Reese, of course, uh, the most consistent guy, over 100 tackles last year, uh, of course. Uh, but the other guys who they ended 2016 well has disappointing 2017s. Uh, you know, the guys like Sean Joseph there. Uh, I'm not sure he has the size uh, and ability to stick inside. Reese, I don't worry too much about, but I, I do worry about his speed there uh, at, at times. But I, I think he can hold his own. But uh, it's the other guys that I worry about at inside linebacker. Yeah, I think uh, I think Reese will be fine. I think if anything in this defense, he'll be uh, asked a little bit less to play sideline to sideline. We've seen it happen once or twice in the first two practices where he was kind of in pursuit and maybe wasn't quite quick enough to get out there. But I think once Florida's coaches see that on tape, uh, you know, they'll be able to call the defense such that he's he's really going to be between the tackles kind of guy. And I think he's going to thrive in that role because he's a very sound tackler and he's very gap sound. Um, so I think I think he's a guy that will probably run up a ton of tackles in this system. Um, I think the other spot will be a little bit up for grabs. You know, Beauchamp's the guy that's there right now. Obviously, he has some striking ability that they, they probably really like, um, is the guy that can probably force some turnovers from that position. Uh, but even in the first couple of days, he, you know, we've seen kind of that same over-aggressiveness where he gets in trouble because he's too quick to jump to the ball and gets himself out of a gap, and then suddenly you got a hole up the middle. Um, I, I think he can – be coached out of that. That's usually something you can coach guys around. Um, but uh, I would be looking for Ventrell Miller potentially make a move this spring. I've been pretty impressed with what we've seen from him the first two days. He would be a guy that has a little bit more size and, and can kind of stick in there. Um, I, I think he's a guy that you keep an eye on this spring. If we move uh, to defensive back, uh, it was – Mullen last week, you know, did say in his pre-spring press conference or when they were kicking uh, practice off uh, a couple of days before that, uh, we'd be seeing uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at safety. 
Uh, we've seen him more in the nickelback position. Do you see it staying that way, or is it just some, you know, just the way they're trying things out these first couple early practices? I think they're going to fill it out. A lot of times what you'll see coaches do is they'll play a guy at a spot that they want to at least try him at, and they'll do it for half the spring, and then they'll switch. So it'll be interesting to see after you know practice six, seven, eight, uh, where Gardner Johnson's lined up. Um, I personally don't like him as much at nickel as I do at free safety. Same here. Uh, I, I think that, you know, he's a guy that has so much speed and natural instinct that if you put him back at free safety and kind of let him play that one high role at times, he'll really thrive, especially with a system that's designed to get after the quarterback. I just don't see him necessarily as a guy that you want covering slot receivers or even tight ends. I, I just don't think that's his strength. Um, but we'll see. He's been there the first two days and uh, haven't really noticed him getting beat. So that's a good thing. <laughs> um, you know, I think part of part of that equation will come down to how Brad Stewart looks because he's been the starting safety along with Juwan Taylor. If Stewart plays well and they like him in that free safety role, then you know potentially you do stick with with Chauncey Gardner at the uh, the nickel spot. But I think all those guys are going to move a good bit. I, I don't think anything in the back end right now is set in stone. I, I do think Florida needs to develop some depth both at corner and safety, and that's got to be a major priority this spring is finding out who can start to help in those backup roles. And of course, spring practice is, is a time for young guys to get noticed as well. And Amari Bernie, Trey Dean looked like uh, they came out firing right away. looks like what we saw the ceiling of those two could be pretty high. Yeah. I think the one thing, you know, a lot of times when these freshman guys come in, especially the corners, you'll see them get beat some. I mean, they're not used to consistently going every snap against a guy that is an elite athlete like they are. Um, so we've seen that a little bit with Trey Dean. He's gotten burned a couple of times. Um, I remember one deep ball he got on Saturday thrown against him uh, for a real nice long completion at Trayvon Grimes. Um, but he's also made a lot of plays breaking up passes, and that's kind of what you like to see as a freshman because eventually, you know, the more they get used to it, those end up becoming more of the plays that they're making rather than the ones they're giving up. So I've been pretty encouraged with Dean. Uh, I think he's clearly got higher upside than some of the other guys at corner that have played backup roles to this point that might be ahead of him right now on the depth chart. So I would think he would move up pretty quickly. As far as Bernie, I think it's a little bit early. Uh, you know, he had two picks in the first practice, but both of them were kind of poorly thrown balls, to say the least. Uh, he was just kind of in the right spot and was able to take advantage. But there's no question, and that guy's got the physical makeup to really be a factor. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can pick up the playbook and kind of start pushing into that second string, at least, you know, in the Sean Davis, uh, you know, the Sean Davis type um, tier in terms of safeties. If he can push past those guys, then maybe he's got a chance to get on the field in the defense next fall. Yeah, Thomas, I, looking at looking at a roster, looking at a depth chart, I, it's, it's hard to get past the numbers they have at, at safety and cornerback and the way they can cross-train cross uh, those guys back there. And I, I can't uh, – behind Henderson and, and Wilson and, and uh, Gardner-Johnson, I just really have no idea how it's going to shake out. <laughs> yeah, well, the good news is that I think that they've brought in a good number of bodies. Now, that will have to be a focus again – uh, in this next recruiting class, but I think you've got enough numbers that you can make it work across the board. I don't, I don't know that they're necessarily deep. Part of the problem is, you know, you got a lot of numbers, but some of the guys probably aren't going to really contribute at the level Florida needs. Um, and so again, you've got to got to bolster that with the recruiting class. Uh, but you, you've got the luxury of two top quality SEC cornerbacks already coming back. And Chauncey Gardner, I know he had a rough start to last year, but he played really well at the end of the year at safety. Mm -hmm. Um, so you got three guys, and I think, you know, Juwan Taylor has shown flashes if he can, you know, stay healthy. I, I think they've got the potential to be really good. And, again, I think the fact that, you know, through two days all we've really seen Florida run is nickel 
is probably indicative of the fact that the coaches like their defensive backs better than their linebackers right now. A couple more thoughts here from Thomas before we let him go. Uh, Thomas, one of the big things I noticed, and I tweeted it out, I, cu- I couldn't let it go by w- without tweeting it, was noticing having starters and having speed on special teams, and especially when they were working on the pump block. You saw Tony, Henderson, Massey, all out there were working on that unit. Dan Mullen is definitely making special teams a priority. No doubt, no doubt. I mean, uh, after Saturday's practice, I kind of cut across the field a little bit to get to you know where we were going for – our our post-practice interview with Nick Savage and, and kind of overheard Mullen saying we will have the best special teams in the country. <laughs> and that was his whole message after Saturday's practice. It was all about special teams. It was clear that they put a ton of focus into that uh, in Saturday's practice, doing the punt block drills and whatnot. And man, it's just such a change from the previous staff. Um, I, I had asked Jim McElwain at one point early in his tenure um, because of the fact that, you know, Florida hadn't blocked kicks under Will Muschamp, uh, really in his last two years at all. I think the last one they did was the second game of the 2013 season against Miami. So I, I asked Jim McElwain, what are you, know, you going to do to try to you know, emphasize special teams or whatever? And at some point he made a comment that, you know, when he was an assistant coming up through the ranks, um, you know, they, the, the, the assistant coaches used to all fight over who would get tagged with a special teams coordinator role, meaning <laughs> none of them wanted it. And so it was just this weird, you know, lack of emphasis on special teams. He clearly thought it was, you know, a chore more so than an opportunity and man that just being here for the urban meyer years could not be more of a polar opposite and clearly dan mullen wants to get back to that i think he saw exactly what it did for florida i mean it changed a lot of games for florida under urban meyer um i'll I'll never forget that kentucky game in 2008 you know (laughs) where they blocked three kicks and you know took a couple of them to the house um it it just provides so much energy and momentum for your team And, and dan mullen has really stressed that and he's made it to where I think the players realize, you know, if they're not contributing in there, they can forget about getting on the field on offense or defense. Yeah, and I, and I like that line of thinking there. And Thomas, I've, of course, been asked a little bit on the YouTube live chat and seen the chat there. Of course, back up quarterback a little bit. We'll back up just one more thought from you. Emory Jones, Kyle Trask, of course, are two guys there that are that are making their mark. Um, we've seen Emory Jones use his legs a little bit. Kyle Trask, has, of course, be a little more accurate uh, than Dan Emory Jones so far, but uh, if if it continues to play out like it is, do you still see? Uh, you know, th- does Trask get playing time over Emory Jones, or would it be the Emory Jones shows with him using his legs as the backup guy? Yeah, you know, I I think um, I think Florida will definitely use Emory Jones next fall. I don't think there's any question. I think especially the way the schedule sets up for both 2018 and 2019, you're going to want to get him snaps and get him some experience. Um, so at the very least, you have an experienced backup. To me, Franks and Trask are not different enough skill set-wise to where you would bring out Franks to play Trask necessarily, whereas Jones is a good enough runner that I think you can do a little bit of what Florida did in 2005 and – sorry, 2006 uh, with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow where you bring in a change of pace for no other reason than to add an extra wrinkle for the defense, to change the tempo a little bit, um, get the defense substituting. I think Jones has that ability – uh, he's got a long ways to go in terms of his accuracy and picking up the offense. Obviously, two practices in as a true freshman. Um, but I think he's got that running ability, and I think the fact that Florida's coaches have allowed him to showcase that running ability, probably more so than the other quarterbacks right now, says to me that that guy's going to have a role next fall. And and why not? I mean, you know, use every bullet in the chamber. They recruited the guy for a reason. Start to get him in there, and let's see what he can do. Absolutely. T- totally agree there. 
Thomas Goldcampa of 24-7 Sports, GatorBait.net, joining us here on Gators Breakdown. Thomas, thank you much. And uh, what you guys got coming up uh, with another open practice on Saturday, but what you guys got coming up uh, with all the spring practice stuff up on uh, GatorBait.net? Yeah, well, you know, we're thrilled about the open practice. Uh, I know I love fans like getting out there, but for everybody that can't make it, uh, I think uh, I'm pretty accurate when I say we cover it pretty extensively in our post-practice recaps for our subscribers. Uh, so be sure to sign up if you haven't already. It's very cheap. You know, it'd be well worth it for the spring uh, at GatorBait.net. Um, but over the next couple of days, we'll be speaking to Dan Mullen on Wednesday. Tomorrow, we have another little bit of practice that's open, and then we'll be speaking to each of the coordinators. Uh, so we'll have plenty of updates kind of on how they're they're seeing spring ball, on, on you know, unravel so far. And, uh, and, you know, as always, you know, we're always free to answer questions on the message board. We try to do our best uh, for our subscribers whenever they have questions. That's what we're there for. I mean. You know, we're out there at every practice that we can be. We're talking to these guys. If you have any questions, just let us know. And uh, definitely appreciate you having me on Gators Breakdown to do that as well. Yeah, thanks, Thomas. I've been a member there for for years, guys. And, uh, yeah, you won't find better Gators coverage. And, and that conversation on the message boards uh, gets crazy, but crazy in a good way. Spirit, spirit. <laughs> All right, Thomas, uh, thanks for joining us here on Gators Breakdown, man. I can't thank you enough. Um, I'm David Waters, uh, host of Gators Breakdown. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. You can find Thomas on Twitter at Thomas Goldcamp. And as a reminder, find all his articles there. Luke Stampini's, Blake Hallerman as well. Blake's been on the podcast plenty uh, for recruiting coverage. Find those guys at GatorBait.net as well. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.